Now, kind of moving slowly to the other segment, which is around people talents. Um, Christian Go, one of our uh, fervent listeners, thank you, Christian. Uh, he was asking, how do we address the global shortage of supply chain talent? I mean, should a company start developing in-house talent and training programs to fill in the gaps? Um, how would you do it? Obviously, talent sourcing is quite difficult nowadays. That's why also we, we still make money at Morgan Phillips. But what's your thoughts on it? Well, you know, we, we talked about how the industry is going to change, but in order to get the new talent for our industry, we have to change the perception of our industry. Mm. So in Supply Chain Asia, uh, which Paul Lim runs and, and with Robert Yap and, and our board, we've had that discussion. It's a nonprofit made up of, of many of the industry players. And the, the first comment is we've got to make the industry more exciting. We need to go to the colleges and we need to not have them think about warehousing and trucks and ships and, and just the old image of what our industry is about. We need to let them know it's a sexy industry. It's entrepreneurial industry. There are so many different areas that you can be part of uh, this career path now. And, and, and uh, you know, learning the basics is, is there, but also... You can be an entrepreneur now and you can be a disruptor and have a career in this space. Or you can be inside a major company and help that company evolve with new ideas and new solutions, which are endless in terms of your career. So we need to make the industry more exciting and more passionate when we market to the schools, to the employment market. And we haven't done a very good job at it, frankly. No. You, you know, what I loved was... I, I went to APL and they had the management training program like Maersk did. Mm. And I took less money in spite of my student loans than I could have with American Express because I just wanted to learn the industry. But having to touch everything and then going to corporate headquarters and then learning under each vice president strategically, it made the industry exciting. Yeah. And then coming out to Asia and being involved with setting up new offices in, in different countries... That, that made the industry exciting. One of the things I did at an early stage, all the way back in NYK, was we would take some of the brightest young talent in our different countries, and we would bring them for one year to our Far East Management Center in Hong Kong, mm. and give them housing, and, and triple their salary, and we would have them work on regional projects for a year. Many of them became the country heads of NYK, down the road, and some of them went out and started their own businesses linked to logistics, right? So even in those days, there were ways of making it fun and exciting. But I think today, it is fun and exciting because it's completely transforming. You have, you have financial flow, you have information flow, and you have product flow. These are the three components that connect the entire world, right? And now that product flow is fusing together with the information and the financial flow into completely new models. Mm. How is that not exciting? No, absolutely. So, so we, need, we need to go into the schools. We need to do more internships to pull people into this industry. And, and, and then we need, you know, as leaders in this industry, we have a moral obligation to build training programs and, and exposure and career paths for the new generation talent because millennials get restless and they're going to leave jobs if, if, if they don't like it, if they're not excited. E even in Silicon Valley, they flip all the time. So, you know, one of the things we need to do 
anyways as part of this uh, culture change is we need to do more team-oriented leadership structures. The, the old days of a few managers dictating down, that's the old economy. So, so collaborative networks uh, of talent within our organizations that can come up with creative ways of helping customers' needs and also learning from each other at the same time, I think that makes the industry more exciting as a career. Absolutely, and I and and um, actually that would have that would have been my uh, my uh, kind of link to my next question. Before, before you hey, before yeah. you go there, I just want to throw in the old days. Okay, yeah. um, the old days of freight forwarding. I'll leave out the name of the company, but I, w I was in a space where we w we had McDonald's as a customer and Exxon and some amazing customers. But we had to, every quarter, we had to have new ideas and new innovation for them. Even if we were performing perfectly, you had to have new ideas every three months. Otherwise, they would say you're not innovative enough. Mm. Well, I got to a point after a few years where the managers were getting comfortable. And they just said, well, we've done all this. There's, there's nothing more we can do. We're performing beautifully and, and you know, we really don't think there's anything more we can impact. And I knew that wasn't acceptable. So I experimented and I created empowerment committees. And for one month, I took away the power from the managers and I took the staff and I moved them into teams. And I said, you will now drive uh, new ideas without, without the manager's influence and we'll give special bonuses to you with the best ideas. We came up with about nine to 10 major new ideas. Yeah, exactly. And then once that happened, the managers started coming up with new ideas. And then we went back to the structure, but then we kept teams working on special projects. So even in the old days, you sometimes have to rip apart a structure in order to let new ideas and creativity break out. Yeah, and it's the power of empowerment. I mean, power of empowerment is a repetition, but it's, it's so true. Um, and, and also, I mean, uh, I think to the point with the industry being sexy, I think we also, I mean, the industry, and, uh, and I'm going to try to do some things, and, and, and I think a lot of people are trying to show more, you know, to, to I mean, it is, it is interesting. There's generally, including, uh, you know, if you see the, and I didn't know myself, Supply Chain City and the drones in Supply Chain City, of, uh, obviously that would be very interesting, you know, just a video with that. I mean, people need to be more informed, and I think we need to show more of that as an industry. Well, you, you know, one of the things of our supply chain uh, community, Supply Chain Asia, which Paul Lim started, is the idea is getting competitors together, getting the yeah. major logistics companies, getting the major shippers mm -hmm together and sharing ideas and sharing knowledge and helping to train the new generation and make it fun. So it works, by the way. It, you know, connecting the community, sharing knowledge, it actually works. And then as Morgan Phillips, you're in a very unique space because you now can help companies develop not only who to put into leadership roles that can transform businesses, but you know, your industry has to help them identify ways of changing their own organization and culture to protect and grow and it's, new it's, talent. It's the bigger piece. You're very right. It's the bigger piece. It's never about one specific recruitment. It's the bigger piece. It's the leadership. It's the culture. It's the strategic drive. Absolutely. Um, and just to just to kind of loop it back to, because I think there's still uh, there's still uh, some more details that we could, because Christians. 
point, and I think it's a valid challenge that people are, are faced with. There is still uh, currently a talent shortage. So definitely we need to work on making the industry more sexy. That's for sure. And currently in the market, what do you see as the biggest skills missing? Or hard, let's talk hard skills or future hard skills. What do you see as missing? Well, I, I think in fairness to Christian's question, and let me try to finish answering it because I didn't do a sufficient job. And, and I think part of this talent is it may not all be within my company. I, mm. I, you know, it may be in my interest to partner with some of these collaborative startups. So some of this talent won't enter a bigger company, but if, if we help nurture them with their, with their technology or their ideas as small startups and bring them in as collaborative partners, that's another way of helping our bigger organizations grow while leveraging the talent that won't enter directly but will connect indirectly. And it's a win-win. Yeah. Now what's missing in our industry? My biggest frustration, you know, I started with shipping and then freight forwarding and then 3PL and then building one of the first 4PL models in Asia with Lian Fong and then in Arshia we created railroad logistics parks but also uh, the first 4PL in India and my frustration is most of the many many people in our industry are still moving in comfort zones they're so busy in operations and the day-to-day -day activities and all the information requirements that they don't see what's happening these changes that are coming and then it, oh it's over there in the IT that's a separate group mm. we're in a different stage mm. and, and, and you know people who use the word supply chain today are actually doing logistics they're not doing supply chain so, so we're not even defining our own business correctly you know when you do supply chain you're looking at sales forecast accuracy you're looking at the cost of capital you're looking at uh, raw material feeding to factories. You're looking at, at production runs. You have to look at so many different activities unrelated to just the physical movement of product. But I find so many people in the industry are using the word supply chain when they're really talking about logistics or 3PL logistics. So we're already not aligned in terms of our definitions, which is a bit embarrassing as an industry. So, and, and again, my argument is we already passed supply chain stage. Demand chain is already what leading companies are doing. And we're now moving into dynamic value networks, which is a whole different stage and a whole different, and that's where the technology comes in heavily. So I think one of our biggest skill deficits is, is that we are still having too many people in the comfort zone. And transactional zone. And, 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 and transactional zone, it's, it's a great phrase. Because, because they're so busy and there's so much going on. But wow, when this, when this technology flip takes place in a few years, I worry where they're going to be and how we protect them. Mm -hmm. and, and even the companies will be at risk. Yeah. So, so I, I think the biggest deficit is that too many people are in that transactional mode and they feel they're making incremental progress. And, they, and, and you know, they're just not keeping up with the changes that, that are coming. And then you see an Amazon out of nowhere blowing out major retailers across the U.S. as an example. Mm. And then you see they and Alibaba coming out to Asia now. Yeah. 
then what happened to all the retailers that were doing such a great job? It's changed because, you know, we can still walk through a mall, but they have redefined that space. Our space is going to be redefined as well. Absolutely. And, and, and I just think we have a huge deficit. And the first one is that thinking. The second is the company's leaders are not defining the forward vision aggressively enough. They're thinking how to grow the business for the next year, for the next two years. That's, you know, this was a big discussion we even had, had at, at, at the G20, the B20 meetings, which was a lot of CEOs are thinking the next two, three years incrementally. That's the reward structure. The boards are aligned to that. And, and, and even the executive recruiting firms are aligned to that because that's your clientele. But, but actually, this is the period of transformation. So you can't just grow your business. You also have to transform it simultaneously. And, and then the second deficit that we have is we're, we, we're not creating enough. Well, we're not developing enough creative thinkers in our industry. Because our industry has always been structured and disciplined and moving things, but now it's completely dynamic and, and full of, of, of unique friction points that we have to start developing people who can be more creative in terms of looking at day-to-day -day activities, at looking at, at improvements for their customers, and, and who can also penetrate their customers' Uh, business uh, models and understand what they're doing so that they can be more creative partners in helping their customers reduce costs, improve efficiency. I'm a big believer of, of putting staff on site with customers to integrate the culture and, and to become uh, aligned in terms of what a customer needs. And that's, I mean, These are clear deficits to me. And, and, and it boils down to true partnerships and it boils down to actually truly understanding and being close to the, to the client, which of course that's what we should, I mean, everybody should do. And it's, 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 it's true. I mean, not, uh, some people are not doing it in this day and age. And, and you know, in, in the past, like in Lee and Fung, just from personal experience, we, we had an IDS group, Logistics, as a subsidiary of, of uh, Lee and Fung. We had some amazing customers like Sarah Lee and Gillette, and Diageo, who, who actually said, let's work together and let's create some new solutions. Mm, let's awesome. create some new models like the floating warehouse model, which goes all the way back to McDonald's, and regional SCM hubbing, and ways of playing with inventory and cost of capital on the water. And, you know, we would bring product into a hub in Singapore and, and, and we'd use the water as a floating warehouse. Yeah. And then from this facility, we'd repackage, relabel with assembly lines inside and we'd feed just in time to 14 countries. It changes the entire cost, a, a landed cost of a product. And, and it reduces lost sales, it reduces cost of capital. So, you, you know, getting customers that... that you work with so closely with staff on site that together you develop new solutions. I, I think that's the ultimate fun in our industry. Yeah. This is the end of part two. Stay tuned for part three, where we dig deeper in personal habits and success stories from Paul.